CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The White House is making it absolutely clear. If you're not with the COVID-19 vaccination program, top to bottom, they want you banned from all social media platforms. Considering the ever-evolving definition of what constitutes misinformation, government's efforts to suppress information are going to have major implications for the future of free speech, as in, will there be any? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. It was predictable, and in fact, I would say we've predicted it here. The White House is now just openly telling everybody that they direct the social media giants to shut down speech that they don't like. They'll just decide something is misinformation, and if it's getting too much traction in social media, they shut it down. Now, they'll say this is to save lives, of course. They'll say this is about Uh, the scientific community speaking with one voice and not having disinformation or misinformation out there that leads people astray and makes them or brings them to make healthcare decisions that are bad for them. But let's all understand that for one thing, they're doing this in a way that looks a lot like collusion between the government and private sector to suppress speech, which should really bother people. And they want it to be all social platforms so the White House will say you should be banned not from one, but from every platform possible. Here's Jen Psaki. Uh, providing uh, for, for Facebook or other platforms to measure and publicly share the impact of misinformation on their platform uh, and the audience it's reaching. Uh, also with the public, with all of you, um, to create robust enforcement strategies that bridge their properties and provide transparency about rules. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for uh, uh, providing misinformation out there. Yes, that's right. Let's make sure that it's easy to deperson someone, if possible, uh, from the internet. Let's get to a place where if you have an unpopular idea, oh, I don't know, like the lab leak theory for COVID-19 origins, because, you know, that was misinformation, they said. Or the Hunter Biden laptop, for that matter. Remember when Twitter said that was stolen information and therefore couldn't be published? And then Facebook also said that they didn't want it to be shared either because it couldn't be verified. Hmm. You're seeing where all this is going, right? Quite clear. So how do they justify what is the most direct assault on freedom of speech in America, the most consequential assault on freedom of speech in my lifetime? Oh, it's about saving lives, of course. Here's Joe Biden mumbling something about how Facebook is killing people. What's your message to platforms like Facebook? They're killing people. I mean, it really, 
they are, look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And, that, and, they're, and they're killing people. They're killing people. Now, he did come out to give us some additional context after the fact to clean up that remark. He's saying it's not that Facebook is killing people, but people who are spreading misinformation about the COVID vaccine on Facebook are killing people. That's the Biden line on this. And I think we should all note that Joe Biden is not shy at all about continuing with this policy of telling the social media companies what constitutes misinformation. In fact, Jen Psaki said, oh no, we are coordinating. Here she is. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. Mmm, yes. Flagging content. Your government is working through the private sector to figure out the federal government, the partisan Democrat Biden White House, wants to make sure that there are certain things, certain individuals, therefore, who get that extra scrutiny to shut them down and kick them off the internet. Would this ever be abused? You know the answer to that question before I even have to extrapolate on the thesis. Of course this can and will be abused if this becomes the acceptable standard for public and private sector anti-speech collusion. You want to get a sense of where this is all going. Just think of the term misinformation. Not even, not even uh, fact-checking anymore. Now it's misinformation. Hmm. What constitutes that? Well, if you look at a NPR piece of the weekend about the very well-known conservative site, the Daily Wire, NPR had a writer make the case that uh, the Daily Wire tends not to provide very much context for the information they are providing. And if you've stripped enough context away, any piece of truth can become a piece of misinformation. So this is, this is saying the quiet part out loud, in a sense. This is when the Democrats start to come forward and tell everybody Oh, you can say something that is true, or you can say something that is your opinion, and we can still consider that misinformation because it lacks the context that we say it should have. Think of the constraints that puts on speech. Now it's not even a question of factual accuracy. It's a question of how facts are presented, period. Well, isn't that an interesting way for them to be able to just edit everyone's work, if you will, decide that because there's not enough information included that they want to be included around your facts, you are guilty of spreading misinformation. And if you're guilty of spreading misinformation, this White House wants to tell big tech that you have to be kicked off the internet everywhere. So I don't know, let's say you think that um, uh, the Biden administration is stupid and corrupt. Is that misinformation? Should that get you kicked off the internet? Why not? As far as this White House is concerned, that's clearly lacking the context of whatever it is that they have uh, as talking points for how great Biden's doing at this point, which I think everyone also realizes is, is absurd. And there's another dynamic that's playing out here. They're, they're pointing to misinformation and they're panicking about what they've said in the past 
about the virus, about the vaccines, and the numbers that we would be hitting at this point, and how this trajectory, the trajectory of the pandemic would be unfolding at this stage. So what are they doing? They're calling out misinformation and blaming that misinformation, yes, on random people online, but also on the favorite target of the cancel culture left, Fox News. Do you think we could have eradicated polio or defeated the measles uh, if you had uh, Fox News night after night uh, warning people about uh, these uh, vaccine uh, issues that are just, uh, you know, bunk? If we had had the pushback for vaccines the way we're seeing on certain media, uh, I don't think it would have been possible at all to not only eradicate smallpox, we probably would still have smallpox and we probably would still have polio in this country if we had the kind of false information that's being spread now. If we had that back decades ago, I would be certain that we'd still have polio in this country. Yeah, so the disinformation that he's putting on Fox News, you're noticing he doesn't actually give any specifics for it because Jim Acosta is a dim-witted propagandist for a network that pretends to be objective news still, which anybody with an IQ above that of a toaster should think is absurd beyond words. But then again, Jim Acosta works there. So let's be very clear. Fauci is also allowing for this pile-on to Fox, uh, against Fox. And at the same time, we're being told that we should all be very, very scared. Of what exactly? Not clear. But here's the Surgeon General under the Biden administration telling us just that. I am worried about what is to come because we are seeing increasing cases among the unvaccinated in particular. And while if you are vaccinated, you are very well protected against hospitalization and death, unfortunately, that is not true if you are not vaccinated. We're seeing 99.5% of deaths right now from COVID-19 in our country are happening among the unvaccinated. And so that's why it is so important that we take every measure possible to make sure people have the information they need about the vaccine, to make sure they have access to the vaccine, and to help them get vaccinated as quickly as possible. It is our fastest, most effective way out of this pandemic, Dana. Everybody knows about the vaccine. Everyone knows they have access to a vaccine. At some point, we have to be a society where people get to make choices, whatever those may be in this case, and they get to live with those choices but the Democrats would prefer to use this as an open door for whatever authoritarian health policy mandates they wanna ram down everyone's throats and destroy as much freedom as possible in the process. All right, we'll have more on the White House's efforts to censor social media with the founder of American Majority, Ned Ryan, when we come back. Right now, let's talk about our most valuable asset that most of us own, right? Our homes. I mean, how much equity do you have in your home? 50,000, 100,000, more? Cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners that the more equity you have, the greater the chance foreign and domestic criminals will come after you. Home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. In fact, Home Title Lock, America's leader in home title protection, is alerting homeowners they could already be a victim and not know it. Here's how it goes down. First, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high equity homes. Next, they pull your home's online title forge your signature stating you sold your home, and then you take out loans against your equity. You're not covered by insurance, your bank, or common identity theft programs. Protect your most valuable asset. Register your address now to see if you're already a victim and receive a complete title history of your home, a $100 value free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line.
Facebook is pushing back against White House accusations that the social media company isn't doing enough to combat misinformation on its platform. And they are, in Joe Biden's words, well, this is what he said about the people writing stuff on Facebook, killing people. Facebook spokesperson Danny Lever told ABC News, quote, we will not be distracted by accusations which aren't supported by the facts. The fact is more than 2 billion people have viewed authoritative information about COVID-19 and vaccines on Facebook, which is more than any other place on the internet. More than 3.3 million Americans have also used our vaccine finder tool to find out where and how to get a vaccine. Facts show that Facebook is helping save lives, period. For more on the White House's efforts to pressure social media, the CEO of American Majority, Ned Ryan, is also the author of the excellent book, The Adversaries, A Story of Boston and Bunker Hill. Mr. Ned Ryan, great to have you as always. Yeah, good to be with you, Buck. Okay, so yeah, Biden said they're killing people. That's what he said. But okay, he meant the people that are saying stuff on Facebook that Biden says isn't true. But even still, he's pressuring Facebook to shut down speech that the White House disagrees with. This starts to feel like not the First Amendment in principle being violated, but as a matter of law, this is getting real close to, oh, the federal government's now telling private entities, do this or else. Yeah, no, Buck, I mean, this is, this is troubling. First of all, it's deeply ironic that Biden is saying that people are killing uh, other people with this misinformation on Facebook when about eight or nine months ago, uh, both Biden and Harris were throwing shade uh, on the COVID vaccination on the vaccine. So that's ironic. But no, you're right. I mean, the, the thing that's troubling to me and the reason that I think they're not going to really go after big tech, it's too convenient for them, Buck. Why make a direct assault on the Bill of Rights when you can let the private corporations like Facebook and Google and Twitter do all of your dirty work uh, and shutting down freedom of thought, freedom of speech, uh, quite frankly, many of the other things that take place online, freedom of assembly, of, of like-minded people being able to share ideas online. So no, Democrats find the, these big tech corporations far too convenient to actually do anything about them. Uh, and then on the other side, you have Republicans and libertarians going, oh, these are private corporations, we can't do anything. I think it's a very dangerous place we're in, Buck, because the fusion of big tech and big government equals big brother, and we're seeing it take place in real time. And And it's... Stunning to see how we've already been, uh, we, we've already been able to see how the big tech companies, Facebook, uh, Google, have done everything they can to shut down certain speech about lockdowns and COVID, about the origins of the COVID virus, whether it came from the lab, the lab leak theory, areas where they probably were wrong in what they thought was wrong. They certainly were wrong to act like it was definitive and yet now they're, they're sounding like they're going to be even more aggressive about what they say is policing misinformation going forward. It's like they take the wrong lessons from this, although maybe the lesson we're, we should take from it is we're not trying to achieve the same kind of society they are. No, I think that's exactly the right lesson to take from this book. I mean, the people that, that believe in the power of the administrative state don't want to have questions. They don't want to have uh, questions to the to the narrative. They want a silence. They want to be able to basically tell people to shut up or silence their voices. No, they're they're looking at a completely different world than we are. I mean, there is a de two different, very 
worldviews and approaches to government taking place right now, where we want to, as conservative, as limited government conservatives, see the free flow of ideas and exchange ideas. And that's how we get to the real truth of this, Buck, where we at, we're able to ask questions to try and get to the truth. And the other side, the administrative state, no, we've got all the answers. Uh, you have to listen to the educated elite and the experts. And if you don't, uh, we'll shut down all dialogue because we know what's best for you. Are we able to do anything about this, Ned? It feels like Everyone on the conservative side who's paying attention even a little bit has woken up to the reality of what very um, left-wing authoritarian big tech. Now, okay, not a, I, I can see it in your face. Not everyone. I said people who are paying attention, and maybe I should have added comma, know what the heck is going on. But I'm just saying. I'll, 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 go ahead, Ned. All right, all right. I'm not even going to get through the question. What do you got? You got something. I would say yeah, everybody that has more than a couple brain cells in common sense, which does not include GOP leadership, uh, and sadly, some people that are in, inside the Freedom Caucus. When you're taking direct cash contributions last year in the 2020 cycle from Google and Facebook, maxed out contributions, mind you, uh, I don't think you get it, Buck. Uh, you know, I've gotten to the point where this is a litmus test for me in which do you renounce big tech and all of its evil works? And the first step is not taking direct cash contributions. And until we see Republicans in the House and the Senate sign a pledge in which they say, we will no longer take tech contributions, I don't think we're gonna see any real solutions. But there are plenty of real solutions uh, if people will actually have the political courage to do it and get right on it. Because again, it comes down to, Buck, this is a government of, by, and for the people, not of, by, and for the corporations. And I hope that Republicans figure that out sooner rather than later. So are we basically in a, we can't do anything until we take back the House, and even then we're gonna need the House, the Senate, and the White House? I mean, wh where does this leave us, man? It feels like we're just getting pummeled here on the right by big tech. We complain about it. I mean, you know, we have this sort of right-wing therapy sessions where we sit around and say, oh, big, and it's all true, right? Big tech is squashing us like bugs or squashing our speech. Um, but we, we don't really get very far. And, and, you know, you're a guy who's been at the forefront of one, telling everybody that this is a big problem, which is that step one is knowing it's a problem. Is there anything we can do? Do we just have to sort of suffer and hope for power to shift hands in a couple of years? What, what can be done? Well, I think part of it is the education process, obviously getting more, more of the base educated on the issue, but it's also changing the dynamics of the Republican Party, Buck. I mean, 2022 is a prime opportunity in primaries. Party is what people say it is. And those who win primaries and show up at conventions, we need more America first candidates to win primaries, to change the complexion of the Republican Party, to begin to change the leadership of the Republican Party. And it's only in having more America first candidates win in 2022 and 2024 in primaries that you're gonna see the Republican Party change and actually get righteous, hopefully, on the tech issue. And I'm seeing guys, this is what's encouraging to me, Buck. I'm seeing guys like J.D. Vance, who's running for Senate in Ohio, Blake Masters, who's running for Senate in Arizona. They're very good on this issue. We just need more of them. What's gonna happen here, Ned? Do you think the, the, the White House is just gonna keep pushing or have they gone far enough that the suppression of thought and free speech in big tech is, you know, that they've made, they've made it too obvious. It's not that they don't want to do it, but it's too obvious. Or do you think they don't even care anymore? No, I, I think they've gotten to the point they don't even care. I mean, I think the last three or four years have truly demonstrated, you know, the corporate propagandists, otherwise known as the media, uh, the Democrats and big tech, they simply don't care. They're not going to apologize for anything they do. They're going for the win. They, they have power. They know how to use it. We have to hold them off, get back power, and then know how to use power 
uh, in return buck. So no, I, they're not going to apologize. They're not. They're not ashamed of it at all. They think that they have the power and they're going to use it. And in some ways, I oddly, I, I admire them. Ned Ryan, everybody speaking the truth, but it's not not a, not an <laughs> easy day to hear it. But Ned, thanks so much, man. Always good to see you. Thanks, Buck. Today, the U.S., NATO, and the European Union are accusing China of masterminding massive cyber attacks around the world, including an attack on the Microsoft Exchange email servers earlier this year. Gordon Chang joins us next to discuss those revelations. Before, though, I want to tell you about my newest sponsor on Hold the Line, My Digital Money. Everybody wants to invest in cryptocurrencies these days, right? People make crazy profits sometimes, but it's not easy to get started, and it's really high risk. It is. That's why you need people to help you with this. That's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, decided to create My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. All right, so this is a great platform for you to use. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that'll answer your phone calls and help you get started. And because your comfort and security is their top priority, they've got a bunch of things they'll give you, like unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses, without having to watch your account 24-7, a play money account so you can test the market without risking your money, and with the recent pullback of most of the major cryptocurrencies, this might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. And when it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals that have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with Gordon Chang. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. 
The White House is claiming the People's Republic of China is responsible for a worldwide cyber hacking campaign that threatened U.S. economic and national security. The campaign reportedly included a cyber attack against Microsoft Exchange servers that took place earlier in the year. Reuters reports the hacking was sponsored by the Ministry of State Security and focused on information that would significantly benefit Chinese companies and businesses, including research and development processes. The campaign targeted trade secrets in industries including aviation, defense, education, government, healthcare, biopharmaceutical, and maritime industries. According to reports, the EU and many of our NATO allies were also targeted by hackers working for China's communist government. Joining me now is the author of the book, The Great U.S.-China Tech War, Gordon Chang. Gordon G. Chang is his Twitter handle. If you want to know what's going on with China, you've got to give him a follow. Gordon, thanks so much. Well, thank you, Buck. Tell us about this hack. I mean, China hacking is something that's been in and out of the news for years now. But this one feels like it's even more deep and and troubling than many of the ones that have made the news in the past. Yeah, it's troubling because this revelation is basically China's criminal hackers, ransomware, other type of criminal activities really being run by the Ministry of State Security. Now, in a general sense, we've known this for quite some time because China runs the Great Firewall. And that means Beijing knows everything that's going on with regard to it, computers and and hacking and all the rest of it, because they can see the hacks going out of the Great Firewall and they can see the information coming back in. But nonetheless, it's good for the Biden administration to say this in public. And that's the reason, that's the difference here. And also to get our allies on board to say the same thing at the same time. And this means that it's no longer just China versus the US, which is the way that Beijing likes to frame these things. This is China against the world. What are they trying to accomplish with this, Gordon? I mean, what, what is the Chinese Communist Party strategy by a- allowing these kinds of, as, as, you, as you point out, specifically criminal uh, uh, attacks like this. Uh, what, what is this? Is this just a function of, well, you tell me. Well, first of all, it's money. Um, because really these, these groups um, that work with the Ministry of State Security, they're out to make a buck. Um, but the part of it, though, is, of course, um, they are also getting secrets um, and, and is part of a much broader campaign that you just alluded to, where they're getting um, biotech information, they're getting information about the F-35, just you name it. So basically, Beijing wants what we know. And remember, um, John Radcliffe, when he was director of national intelligence last December, put the amount of China's theft of U.S. intellectual property at almost $500 billion a year. Some people put it higher than that. Gordon, it feels like from the policy side, the Biden administration, we never even really hear about what they're doing with regard to China. And is their approach that China's, even with all these very aggressive cyber campaigns you're talking about, is China too big to sanction or too big to engage in reprisals against? Is that, is that really where this administration is? I think that's where um, the Biden team is. Um, because uh, really, when, when you think about what they just said today and what they're doing, they're not doing very much. I mean, they issued four indictments against Chinese hackers, three of them connected to um, the Ministry of State Security. But you know, those guys are never going to see the inside of a federal court. But I think that the Biden administration has started the dynamic. Basically, Beijing is going to um, retaliate. 
then the American people are going to demand action on the part of the administration. So I think that we'll get to close to where we need to be, but no thanks to the White House. We're just going to have to push our president to do the right thing. Gordon, shifting gears for a moment here, senior Biden officials have announced that an investigation in the origins of the coronavirus show that it could very well have been, as we've talked about here on the show numerous times, the result of a lab leak. This is from CNN. Little new evidence has emerged to move the needle in one direction or another, these people said. The fact the lab leak theory is still being seriously considered by top Biden officials is noteworthy and comes amid a growing openness to the idea, even though most scientists who study coronaviruses and who have investigated the origins of the pandemic say the evidence supports, strongly supports a natural origin. So now the Biden administration is admitting the lab leak theory is a serious scenario. Are they going to do anything about it? I mean, is it even possible, Gordon, given that this would rely on some degree of transparency and access in China to ever get a definitive answer about this? Well, we'll eventually get a definitive answer because virologists and others are studying um, the virus itself. And they're starting to see things which are unnatural, like the double CGG sequence of amino acids. Um, Here's another case, though, Buck, of the administration not wanting to do anything. So for instance, got to remember what happened on May 26 when President Biden ordered the intelligence community to look at the origins of COVID-19. That morning, we learned from CNN that uh, the Biden administration actually spiked an investigation into the origins of COVID-19. There was outrage, not only among the political class in America, but among people as well. And that forced the administration to order that probe, which you know, I don't even know if Biden thought he was going to do that when he woke up on the morning of May 26. But here's a case of the US, you know, people just pushing the administration to do things that it doesn't want to do. So we just got to keep the pressure on. Gordon, I also want to get your uh, latest on the situation in Hong Kong. You and I had many discussions uh, when this first, with the, the first efforts by uh, the Chinese Communist Party to really seize unprecedented power in Hong Kong what was unfolding, it's really dropped out of the news. People aren't talking or thinking about it as much as they had been. What's going on there? Where do we find ourselves now when look at the situation of China uh, destroying whatever freedoms existed in Hong Kong? Well, you're absolutely right in that description. They've destroyed all freedoms. And that was really just graphically illustrated by the closure of Apple Daily, which was not only the main pro-democracy newspaper, it was the main newspaper in Hong Kong. Now, a couple days ago, the Biden administration issued a a business advisory um, warning American companies about Hong Kong. That's a good thing because got to remember, once they start censoring political information, which they have, they're going to be tempted to censor business information. And that's going, I think, to make Hong Kong, you know, it'll always be a city, it'll always be a financial center, but it won't be an international financial center. And it can't be because of what Beijing is doing there right now. Has the freedom movement there been effectively squelched? For the moment, but only for the moment, because what we've seen in Hong Kong is an insurgency. And we know from the history of insurgencies elsewhere that these melt away from time to time and go away even for years, but they always come back. And we have seen the resistance of the Hong Kong people. For instance, three weeks ago when they closed Apple Daily, people lined up to buy the last newspaper, uh, last issue of this. And this is a real sign that they, the people of Hong Kong don't like what Beijing is doing. We're going to see this resistance pop up from time to time as it has in the past. Um, The only way Beijing wins 
is that the people of Hong Kong who resist are going to move to Europe or the United States. But they're not going to move in such numbers so that Beijing is going to be that lucky in this regard. Has there already been a pretty considerable outflow? And, and have we gotten some sense as to whether there are a lot of political arrests and, and effectively political prosecutions now happening on the island of Hong Kong? Well, there's been an outflow of people, uh, especially um, people who have demonstrated. Um, but I think we're going to see a little bit more. And remember, at the beginning of next month, Beijing is going to impose additional exit restrictions. So I think they're going to trap people in Hong Kong. And that's going to basically create a pressure cooker for Beijing. Gordon Chang, always good to see you, Gordon. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Buck. Texas Democrats might have gotten a little more they bargained for when they fled the Lone Star State last week, as several of them have reportedly contracted COVID-19. Texas political strategist Elizabeth Heckman joins us next to discuss. Right now, I want to tell you about Black Rifle Coffee. If you're anything like me, you've got to start your day with a healthy dose of caffeine. And that means kicking off my morning with Black Rifle Coffee. I mean, this is some of the best coffee I've ever tasted, and it comes from a veteran-owned company that serves premium coffee to people who love America. Black Rifle Coffee is committed to supporting veteran law enforcement and first responder causes with every bag you buy. This summer, Black Rifle invites you to enjoy your coffee. Not just the great taste, but also the places you drink it, the passion and adventure it fuels and inspires, and the entertainment Black Rifle serves along the way. Whether you're brewing the perfect cup of pour over or you're cracking open a can of 300 on your next backcountry mission, Black Rifle Coffee Company is here to fuel your way wherever the summer takes you. Black Rifle Coffee imports its high-quality beans from all over the world and roasts them five days a week at their facilities in Manchester, Tennessee and Salt Lake City, Utah. The team at Black Rifle is continually researching and experimenting with new, new roasting methods and coffee origins. Get some today. I've got it at home. We've got it here in the office, too. This is what everybody's drinking. BlackRifleCoffee.com buck. Use code buck at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Fuel your summer with America's coffee, Black Rifle Coffee. Several of the Texas Democrats who fled to Washington to prevent the passage of the Republican voting integrity bill now find themselves under quarantine. According to Fox News, more than 50 Texas lawmakers arrived in Washington on Monday after leaving their home state on private charter flights. Five of those lawmakers have since tested positive for COVID-19 and are quarantined. The positive COVID tests have forced this week's planned event on voting rights to be more virtual with the Democratic lawmakers participating from their hotel and the guest speakers joining virtually. Kind of stinks when your vacation's cut short, huh? Joining me now to discuss is Texas-based political strategist Elizabeth Heckman. Elizabeth, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So first off, Texas Democrats, uh, the, some of them, I think it's five now, have tested positive for covid 19. Mm -hmm. uh, they did tweet out a photo, if memory serves, on their flight without masks on. So what was the message they were sending? Oh, here we have the photo. There it is. What was that all about? <laughs> what a great group over there. You know, I think it's about time that we rebrand the Democrat Party as the party of hypocrisy. The fact that they can board a plane without masks carrying Miller lights like they're on some kind of fraternity vacation, but I can't go on a flight and coach and order a Tito's drink and I have to wear a mask. It just shows that they're all about rules for everyone else, but they won't follow those same rules. And what exactly is the plan here? I mean, I, I spoke to uh, Governor Abbott of Texas last week. 
He's saying that he's willing to extend the session. These Democrats are in D.C. He'll extend the session as or the emergency sessions indefinitely until they return. Do we have any sense as to do these Democrat lawmakers that are in D.C. who are supposed to be where you are in Austin at the, at the Texas uh, mm-hmm. Capitol this, uh, in the state house? Are they really going to try to run this thing, uh, run, run the clock out by staying in D.C.? What is the strategy? I mean, to try to get in the minds of a Democrat sounds quite, you know, I don't know about that. But maybe we need a shortage of Miller Lights in D.C. That's what requires them to come back. Or their D.C.-based donors need to stop funding their hotels and their fancy lobster dinners. Maybe that's what's requiring them to come back. But what I think is they care more about praise from Kamala Harris and not about the opinions and the praise of their constituents. And so maybe if Kamala Harris tells them to come back to the state, they will come back. But I don't think because Texas Democrats have never once listened to their constituents. And I think once they go back to their state, they're gonna have nothing to show for the special session because instead of working for the people they were elected to represent, they are electing their, they are working for their own self-interest and for the praise of this failing administration. Yeah, I mean, what's the response uh, from folks in Texas to this overall? I'm sure you guys have seen some polling on the political uh, political consultant strategist side of this, and just in general from the you know the various uh, folks that you talk to in and around uh, the, the the Capitol in Austin. I mean, do, do the Democrats think this is working, and do Republicans think that this is essentially a huge flop for them? I mean, how is this going? I mean, to say that Democrats are out of touch with reality is the biggest understatement I think of the year. But every single racial group actually approves of voter ID. The fact that it is somehow offensive to require ID to vote, but I need an ID to run a car, to buy alcohol, to go to the bank, to look at my statements. And this is somehow there the, this is Jim Crow laws 2.0. It's disingenuous and Democrat policies and Democrat ideas are extremely unpopular. And to go even further than that, I think that these Democrats actually feel like a fair and secure election puts their re-election chances in danger because their policies and their ideas are very unpopular, even amongst moderate and independent voters. Are, are the bills that the Democrats oppose here on voting rights, there's the one in the House and one in the Texas State Senate, is there any realistic prospect of these Democrats who have absconded, right, who have left their post, so to speak, is there any real possibility of them blocking it entirely, uh, the, the, uh, the bill on, on voter integrity by these tactics? Is that, is that realistic for them or is this just a PR stunt again? This is definitely a PR stunt. They just want to play at the base of the radical leftists. And because I don't think they can really think that they can spend all this time in DC and abandon their responsibilities and abandon what they were elected to do. And, and also, do we have any sense, when do we think Democrats are gonna return? Do we know? I mean, I think there needs to be a shortage of Miller Lights in DC for them to return. Or perhaps, I mean, Kamala Harris needs to tell them to get back. Um, I don't really know when exactly they will get back. I mean, eventually they you know, will realize that they have work to do, but these Democrats are out of touch and they're out of touch with what their constituents have elected them to do. So right, unfortunately, we don't know. I mean, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. And let us know when those Democrats come back.
All right, you'll be the first to know. All right, after the break, CNN's Brian Stelter gets taken to the woodshed on his own show. You're not going to want to miss that video coming up in tonight's Quick Hits. But first, let's talk about cryptocurrency. Everyone wants to invest in crypto these days, but it's not that easy to get started. Well, that's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, decided to create My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. And because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit your losses without having to watch your account 24-7, a play money account so you can test the market without risking your money, and look, with the recent pullback of most of the major cryptocurrencies, this might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals that have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human being, not just a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. Quick hits are up next. Stay with us. CNN's Brian Stelter gets called out on his own show and the founder of the 1619 Project wants the U.S. to be more like Cuba, at least in some respects. We got those stories on Quick Hits. Let's get right to it. Of all of the people that one could uh, make fun of at CNN, the most entertaining to poke fun at, I think by far, would be Brian Stelter. In fact, many people I know in conservative media are big fans of the Brian Stelter show insofar as the unintentional comedy that it provides is really useful for, for our jobs. Uh, we're apparently not the only ones who think this way because Michael Wolff, who is a somewhat controversial author who some people say gets great scoops, other people say is full of a scoop of something, uh, is, well, he was on Stelter's show and he said to Stelter's face the kind of thing that, well, you got to hear it. I think the media has done a terrible job on this. I think you yourself... Um, you know, why you're a nice guy, you know, you're full of sanctimony. Um, you know, you become part of one of the parts of the problem of the media. You know, you come on here and you, and you have a, um, um, uh, you know, a monopoly on truth. You know, you know exactly how things are supposed to be done. Um, you know, you are why one of the reasons people can't stand the media. Don't talk so much. Listen more. You know, people have genuine problems with, with, with the media. The media doesn't get the story right. The media exists in its mm. own bubble. Oh, wow. Look at that. Someone who's actually saying something accurate on reliable sources about the media and its sources. That was, that was refreshing, wasn't it? That was kind of fun, actually. And go home and play that clip a few more times by myself. That was a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of value out of it, I have to say. I have made the case here many days in recent weeks that the Democrat Party and the Democrat leftists out there are commies, or at least commie sympathizers. They seem to have a particular fondness for, well, all forms of socialism. But the one that they really get excited about is, oh, that's right, Cuban communism. That's one that they feel a kinship with. They, they feel a, a protectiveness over the failed authoritarian collectivist experiment of 60 years 
that has taken place on the island of Cuba. And if you're wondering, now this is not from, uh, this is not from the current uh, news cycle. This is from 2019, but somebody found this one. Nicole Hannah-Jones is the founder of, or the primary writer behind the 1619 Project. And there are some aspects of our relationship with Cuba, I'm sorry, some aspects of Cuba specifically that she thinks they really get right and maybe we should give more thought to it. Here you go. Is there, are there candidates right now or even just places that you think have a viable and sufficiently um, ambitious integration agenda? And if so, what, what is it? The answer is probably going to be surprising uh, that I'm going to give, which is if you want to see the most equal uh multiracial, it's not a democracy, (laughs) most equal multiracial country in our hemisphere, it would be Cuba. Cuba has the least inequality between black and white people in places that are truly um, at least biracial countries. Cuba actually has the least inequality. And that's largely due to socialism, which I'm sure no one wants to hear. Oh, it's due to socialism. Um, Fascinating, isn't it, that she's holding up a society where people are told after waiting in lines how many eggs they can have, how many ounces of beef or pork or chicken they get from the government-run store, and there are constant shortages, and the quality is very low, and that's just in terms of your day-to-day life in that country. But she sees that as something that is to be admired. Because everybody gets to be miserable together, irrespective of skin color. There's, there's shared misery across the board. Look at, look at how well they've done equality. You could say that's equity, actually. It's just depressing equity. And Ben and Jerry's. I, I, I think the ice cream's kind of overrated, to be honest. There's better ice cream out there. I'm just going to say it. There's better ice cream out there. The control room knows what's up. You guys know there's better ice cream. Come on. I take Van Leeuwen, probably run by commies too, but I take Van Leeuwen over Ben & Jerry's any day of the week. Kind of fancy ice cream. Ben & Jerry's not going to sell it anymore in the West Bank, though. Another woke capitalist situation here, woke capitalism on display. We believe it is inconsistent with our values for Ben & Jerry's ice cream to be sold in the occupied Palestinian territory. We have a longstanding partnership with our licensee who manufactures Ben & Jerry's ice cream in Israel, distributes it in the region. We've been working to change this, so we have informed our licensee we will not renew the agreement that's right. Won't, won't, won't even sell it there because of the occupied territory situation. So there you go. That's the situation with Ben and Jerry's. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly's up next. Shields high. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.